I'm R. Allen Brooks, a writer and professor. This is How Art is Born, an MCA Denver podcast about the origins of artists and their creative and artistic practice. And my guest today is Kelly Whitaker, who is a hardcore, revolutionary, culinary, aesthetic artist. I just put all those words together just looking at yeah. you. I was like, yeah. Can you repeat that? Because <laughs> I'm going to change my email signature page because that was better than what I have. Amen. It's a lot of syllables to put on a business card. It's cool. <laughs> we'll use an acronym, but it's it's worth putting on there. Right. I want to learn about you and your art practice. You know, a lot of times people have this sort of narrow idea of what art is. Um, but if we think of art as a creative expression, certainly what you do falls into it. And so hopefully people listening uh, during this time will get to explore kind of how it feels like art to you. So how did you get started in the culinary world? Um, culinary uh, was always interesting to me, whether I was making a bagel um, nice. or, you know, thinking about what I want to do with my life. Um, but the, the theme throughout my life has been hospitality. Mm -hmm. It's been driven by people. Um, I love the fact that we're here today talking about artists and, you know, not chef or being put in a box of what sometimes feels like, you know, I'm like CEO because I have four or five businesses now. Yeah. Um, and there's obviously like a push and pull that has been going on in the last five years of my life when you start to get pulled away from the kitchen a little bit or the things that you get into this business for. Right. Uh, and so my path was like, you know, starting out in the way that it was kind of people first mm -hmm. and some planet stuff. So I always yeah. like to think of people, planet, existence, you know, what's, what's around me, you know, so I'm kind of coming full circle with the idea that I cannot just, you know, be a chef and create art, but I could do it at, you know, I have to give that up if I am doing this other thing over here because hmm. it didn't really change up, you know, the makeup of who I was or yeah. what have you. So it's been on my mind lately for sure. Well, it's interesting. Like I hear, so I hear you talking about it all started with people and mm -hmm. the idea of hospitality. And you know, I think about like how hospitality, the idea of hospitality resonates all the way back to like historic texts, like even like the Bible, you know, like yeah. treat the stranger, so and so, that kind of stuff. So what about, what is it about hospitality that is so important to you? I think, you know, it's a, it mostly has to do with service. Hmm. So it's, if you're serving people, there's a certain, you know, and I think uh, a lot of people can relate to creating something, having somebody appreciate it. And not just that they're like putting it back on you that says like, why wow, you're so great or something like that. It's, yeah. it's little to do with that, but more like, I'm so glad you enjoyed that. Or I'm so glad that you found joy in that. So it's like that service element for me is been the driving factor. Huh. So, so um, much of what you're talking about is like the, the end experience, the experience of the person who is patronizing your correct. restaurant or whatever. Um, so like what, what is it that you would like for somebody to walk away with it? You know, is it, is it just a good experience? Is it? A yeah. I think the simplest form is like someone comes in, experiences, you know, one of our places and they just, they don't know why they feel good. Yeah. I think that's the presence of hospitality. Mm -hmm. You're like not hung up on a single thing. You're like, well, that food was insane. Or, <laughs> you know, this person took care of me or the Psalm chose this or whatever. But like yeah. really what we try to do is like that whole experience where, you know, 
you, all these things happen hmm. and you walk in, you're like, just feel really good. So on wow. the simplest level, it's that. Okay. Now people that would like try to like understand the full ethos of what we're trying to create, uh-huh. whether that's, you know, the fact we grow grains on a 600 acre regenerative farm in Colorado and yeah. work towards these other, you know, full sort of bigger conversations around climate or anything. Uh-huh. Like if they're interested, we want to talk about it Yeah, and they can kind of peel back the layers, but really right. it's like, that was really good. That was yeah. delicious. So uh, the, the love for like hospitality and affecting people in a positive way through it. Can you trace that back to your childhood? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you brought up the Bible. I come from a kind of religious family. Yeah. Missionaries. And honestly, a lot of, like a lot of my travels were based around family members being in different parts of the world and okay. going to visit and wanting to work in like a little, you know, dumpling house or something, yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think I would have made like a great preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so it was something ingrained at a younger age, I think uh, the idea of service. And that's something that, uh, has stuck with me Yeah, and, and is a driver. I mean, I think when it comes to creating something, you have to find a lot of whys. And like yeah. I said, my why is service, but it could be your why is faith at, a, at yeah. any age, or it could be, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, trying to impress your date. I don't know, like right. whatever it is, you know, that sort of, but I always found a, that love and, and I appreciated, although I didn't fully, you know, adopt everything from my child or whatever, but yeah. I, I saw it as like, you know, I saw that there's nothing wrong in the love aspect or serving people. It always like kind of, no matter where, what sort of what you believe in or whatever, yeah. for me, that was like, you know, that's still like, it's still right. Yeah. No, that's, still okay. Love is still okay. And yeah. service is still okay. And so that's kind of, that, that did start at a young age. That's cool, man. In my family. Yeah. Uh, so my first job out of college was producing a TV show for a televangelist. Yeah. That was the church that I grew up in and you just got to be really big and they're on TV. The job ended up being terrible, but the, the youth growing up there with the ideas of service. Yeah. And like a lot of that still um, positively impacting the world still shows through in my art. Like that, that is a strong motivating factor. So I can hear what you're saying there, which is really cool. So uh, the thread of hospitality has always been important to you and affecting people in a positive way. Mm -hmm. So then um, did that make it sort of clear for you? Like when you were in high school, did you know that you wanted to move into the hospitality industry? No. What was your path? Uh, I mean, it was a lot of you know, business. And honestly, like I was still, I was taking, like, I took painting, I took all kinds of sort of art avenues. Yeah. And, um, so it wasn't, and then I didn't know what form it would take. I really enjoyed like being in the mountains. I enjoyed lifestyle around skateboarding, snowboarding, like whatever, uh, sort of that genre. Um, that lifestyle was always a part of what I was doing. So Uh how could I like, kind of fold that in. So a big part of me was like, you know, maybe I can do this at a level like at resorts or whatever. It wasn't truly defined, but I knew I just started to get pulled in that direction more and more. Um, and it was also like, you know, chefs aren't notoriously like, uh, brilliant at a certain thing. It wasn't always going to be like a chef or law school. Right. It was (laughs) like, um, so it's kind of, you know, I was going a direction and I mean, for me really traveling tied it all together. Like I grew up in Oklahoma mm-hmm. and that's like, you know, I left pretty much the day after high school 
and just started, you know, traveling around the world. Okay. And what you you mentioned Europe, like what, what places in Europe? Yeah. So most of my cooking experience, I I did do two or three months of hospitality school in Switzerland, Uh but most of my experience was in Southern Italy, which is a very, uh, tricky place in of itself. So you go and intern and like these stories of cooks traveling to Europe and working in these Michelin star restaurants. Every time I went overseas, I was in a mom and pop restaurant. Okay. And it was like, definitely impactful like how I am today right because there was a lack of maybe technique but there were like a lot more ideas Mm -hmm. if you were in these small communities what it did is just start it's really started to like build my mental uh you know capacity to be in some of the bigger more spotlight kitchens that I ended up being in the Michelin star world so I really started with a mindset and that was always important to me um I tell you know Italians from Milan or northern Italy you know, I worked in Naples for almost two years and they're just like, you know, huh. Italians don't work in Naples for two years. It's a really hard community, but I found a lot of love there. Huh. You know, a lot of people go there and they come back and they want to open a wood fire pizza place. And they're like, oh, I'm going to open a Naples. And, and we went there and they're like, yeah, but it was terrible. And I was like, you know, yeah. to get to know that community and find love in it. And then, you yeah. know, to just try to take their thing from there. Um, but that, that was one of my first times, uh, first jobs, uh, overseas that led to Boston, which was my first restaurant, like 10 years ago, okay. I was in a terrible location in Boulder yeah. and it taught me a lot about surviving. And I was like, just, I had just been working at a two Michelin star restaurant, uh, with Michael Simarusti mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, amazing chef, amazing restaurant. And so I'm cooking all these like creative, hyper creative dishes. And I go back. And I have this bad location in Boulder because I'm trying to get my start. And I just thought about those like pizza places with the, you know, bomb holes in it that survived wars. And I was like, <laughs> this is never going to work. Huh. And uh, so I'm just going to put a wood fire oven and make some, you know, a pizza and some plates and try to, you know, represent this community that I was in that yeah. wasn't just like, you know, you had to use this certain type of flour or whatever, but it was about hyper localization. It was about a mindset of using, you know, and it wasn't talked about, it wasn't called the slow food movement. It wasn't mm-hmm. called anything. It was just called life. And I really appreciated that, you know, being yeah. my foundation uh, for kind of the bigger, you know, to be where I am here. But Well, you know, I was going to say your story, you sound kind of like Batman, like uh, you had a mission, mm-hmm. the hospitality activism, and then you traveled abroad and gained all these skills and then brought them back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, got to be Basta. So what uh, what kind of restaurant was that? Uh, so, yeah, just a, it's a simple wood fire restaurant. Um, no one came to it for like first five years. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was like a lot of my friends were in L.A. opening in really funny locations. And I was like, I can I can do this. It's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. And I was like dead wrong. Mm-hmm. And but I stood in front of that oven for about eight years. Like, so with Basta, you were saying that activism was always an important thing for you. Yeah. So was that um, that that being your first restaurant? Yeah. Was that element there? Or were you just trying to figure out the business of? No, I think um, it's always there. You okay. can look at the names of our restaurants, and it's uh, there's always an undertone of activism. Yeah. So Basta means enough okay so a lot of people didn't understand they know they visited italy and someone says basta stop you know uh-huh. it's, it means like stop or enough but in like spain if you're protesting in spain you have a your fist in the air and you're yelling basta okay whatever like yeah you know it's it's a it's a sign of protest and really that's carried through and kind of like 
you know, up till the Wolf's Tailor, which also has that sort of underlying. But the idea was that, you know, we would, we would, you know, put only out there what was needed. So, hmm. you know, if, if you put like microgreens on something, it's like, do you really need those? Yeah. Um, you look at, you know, four things on the plate versus three. I would say we always, every day, like that doesn't need to be there. That doesn't need huh. to be there. Like pasta. And, you know, in Italy, when I was here in the kitchens and I couldn't sleep and I was practicing Italian and, you know, I'd go to sleep with Boston in my head and uh-huh. cause it was, but, and I thought the chefs were just always, you know, upset, but they're just saying Kelly enough. By only putting out what's necessary. Yeah. That's about sort of not being wasteful. Yeah. No, of- it's just, I mean, that in a simplicity, I think yeah. is a form of protest. Yeah. I mean, love is a form of protest. Right. Like we talked about it. Like, you know, I think that, um, anything that's counter to, maybe how it's been done. Mm -hmm. And so you choose one wood fire oven. We don't have stoves. We don't have anything. We have to commit to this one fuel source Uh, and we have to figure out how to make a restaurant work. And so you said you did Basta for eight Mm -hmm. years. Uh, It's still open. Okay. uh, Yeah. But you were there. It's been a decade other than me. Yeah. I was like there, you know, and it was everything that you can imagine from startup. You know, I, I, I just felt like same when a lot of chefs I work for, they're like, you must be there. You must, you know, mm-hmm. so I had a hard time sort of thinking about expansion or building another restaurant. I did start, uh, it S which is sort of the umbrella group. It means I E, uh, you know, like oh, yeah. Latin I E. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, I E, um, that is, so it really represented like when I started the, around the same time uh-huh. and every attorney we had was like, why do you have a group? You have one restaurant and it just stayed like that for 10 years. Yeah. And, but I still had it. Right. Still had the thought in the back of my head that we would definitely do a little bit more, uh-huh. but it, I just represented, you know, we wanted to be an example of like, we wanted every, so, you know, and it's, it's happening now. Like how do we pay our employees? Mm-hmm. How do we create equity in the group and stuff like that? We wanted other groups to call us and say, how do you do that? Oh, that's cool. That's really where that, that's what was yeah. in our mind. And that's, again, that's that, get better and better so that people, you know, an example of it, right. call you. And I love that. Okay. Way. So, uh, it is, is a group of restaurant tours. Yep. No, that- it's just a group of restaurants, our restaurants. Okay. So, so yeah. Yeah. I, I want to hear more about it. Yeah. So it is, is, huh. is our umbrella kind of company. It can, is, uh, uh, so we have four restaurants in a mill. Okay. So we have, uh, two tasting only menus in Denver, mm-hmm. the Wolf's Taylor and Bruto. And then we have Basta and Dry Storage. Dry Storage being our sort of granary, mill, bakery. Yeah. Um, so all of our restaurants are kind of sort of about R&D uh, with grains. We're pretty much into huh. grains. Um, we started in grains, but we've just taken a step further with milling uh, grains into flour. Okay. So we produce flour for yeah. ourselves and we produce for some other chefs right now. So are these all restaurants you started or did you invite other restaurants into? Well, now we're selling flour to other restaurants, but these four restaurants I started. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so you mentioned the two in Denver. Mm -hmm. And then in Boston, Dry Storage. Those are all restaurants we started. Okay. And so uh, how did the progression of, because, you know, we talked about Boston's been around for 10 years. You started it as uh, at the beginning of that time. You said it was about eight years, maybe that nothing was was just like fully supported. You know, I started thinking about expansion just for, you know, the reason of survivability and food on the table. You know, we weren't paying ourselves. We were just trying, you know, there was, we would hustle out events wherever. And I, I had a mentor that was like, 
Kelly, if you're going to grow, you need to start saying yes to all these things just for a year. Like say yes, mm-hmm. like commit to like if someone calls, you know, just say yes. And I was doing the most ridiculous things, <laughs> you know, but it was like sleeping on the floor trying to make it work. So in about eight year eight or nine, we started thinking about, you know, and also impact was still in the back of my mind. Yeah. So if I'm the only one in front of this oven, how can I be impactful with my work? I'm just in an apartment complex and I felt like the right people knew what we were doing, but the world would never find out. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it just sounds like this happened really fast. Not that it was easy, but that you made it happen really fast uh, because there were were all those years that you were the one person in front Mm -hmm. of the oven. And now you're like, okay, let's expand. Mm -hmm. Now you have uh, the three other. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. That's really cool. Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah. It's hard to hear sometimes (laughs) because it was, it did happen the expansion part kind of yeah. happened too fast. Uh, and this year we've been able to sort of reset, but you know, it's, it's, I'm like, wow, you know, I have to tell myself all the time. Yeah. Like, Oh wait, we have like four businesses and <laughs> we have this and, you know, and they are successful and right. we should, we have so much to be proud of with our work and Definitely. the fact that we're running tasting menus and we think about every detail. And, you know, most of all, we think about the people that work with us. I mean, it's a big deal. Big yeah. Deal. All right. Well, so I want to get back to um, you were talking about like you tried different kinds of art. You did. You took paintings, something mm-hmm. like that. So obviously there's something in creating mm-hmm. that feels good for you. So now at this point where you have this group, you have uh, the four restaurants you have, you know, like, um, are you still getting whatever the the high was from creating? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um it's, it, it is. And it's, you know, when we're in it mm-hmm. and we're expanding and all of that, it gets a little lost, but I can tell you like, you know, my, my joy right now is thinking how the, you know, space works. And not only did we open four projects, but we've consulted on numerous projects, mm-hmm. uh, which has just been incredible because we want to work on impactful projects. So I've always sort of had a side hustle consulting and it's allowed me to sort of build and create spaces. Yeah. And I think that's where I think it starts. If someone like brought us in to, you know, figure out a restaurant, they always like, they always want to ask me about the food menu. And I'm like, well, what about what color is the wall? You know, <laughs> nice. that's my, like, you know, yeah. you can't get all those feelings of like fully taken care of unless it starts way back at the sort of architect level yeah. of it and that's where because you're, kinda, you're coming from a place of make, creating an experience yeah. not just the food exactly yeah that's the really food cool. is last huh. everyone thinks the food is first and i'm like because you know you think about how that's going to be executed or all the things that go into making that final product but really the the whole process is what i'm finding a lot of joy in mm-hmm. i don't find as you know that that sort of artist side definitely like gets pulled away if it's like too much numbers and not the creative right. numbers, but like, so I, I, I've had to encourage our teams to like really focus on our product, which mm. is people and planet really. I mean, yeah. that's our product. That's our, that's what we do. Yeah. And so when we're sort of lost in thinking that, uh, you know, we're accountants, I'm like, we're not in accountants. We're, right. we're in this, we're into shaping this. And this is every time we focus and double down on that and the process of that, we, you know, we get to a much better spot. Hmm. What do you think is uh, like when you, so as you expand and you come to a space that, you know, that you're going to play, put a restaurant, um, what is influencing your ideas? Like what's inspiring them? Um, 
I, we want to create a, you know, a restaurant and a restaurant system of the future. Hmm. Like that's it. I mean, the restaurants are just fundamentally so broken huh. and the business itself, uh, you know, everyone has heard stories of restaurants and restaurant culture. And, right. um, a lot of that has shifted over the past few years, but really the way that we look at it in terms of, you know, the way that you take care of people, the way that you work with the food, um, where is the food from, not just farm to table, which is just such a, you know, it's cool farm to table, <laughs> but that's what Colorado was definitely focused on when I got here. Okay. That's okay. Uh -huh. Except that there wasn't really any farms in January. So that was confusing uh -huh. for me. I was like, well, where's food coming from? Huh. But, uh, you know, thinking about the full ecosystem in terms of what's wasted, how people are treated, you know, what, what's the responsibility of what we're trying to do. And it, it definitely has been, uh, those types of questions that are sort of driving us to the next phase of what we're doing. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, like doing tasting menus versus offering a choice. Right. Uh -huh. I mean, that's because it's really difficult to sort of have any control when people, you know, when the system's just tickets and right. just burnout and, you know, luckily for us, you know, we're kind of not hiring right now and it's not something that I want to brag about, but it's something that we're very proud of because we're offering people, you know, a chance to express themselves. Yeah. We really listen to the people that are with us. And, um, so that sort of expression is offering them more of, you know, a lifestyle than a job. Hmm. So I, you know, we dropped hospitality. It was like it has hospitality group. And I just took off the hospitality group because okay. I'm, it's like anything that you sign up. It's like a piece of clothing or whatever. It's something you wear. And, you know, if you work with us at ITS, whether that's our farming system or hmm. cooks or whatever it is, we, we have our first full-time gardener, you know, because <laughs> nice. we grow at all the sites. We grow at every, yeah. we, we have small little, we grow little things and, um, you know, we're, we're way deep into fermentation and conservation and, you know, again, reversal of climate change. I mean, these are things that restaurants, I don't think we're supposed to think about it that way, yeah. but um, it's inevitable that we have to think about it that way. No, I love hearing that, you know, especially like right now, post pandemic, there's all this stuff in the news just about um, restaurants having difficulty staffing. And you're talking about sort of changing the whole paradigm yeah. of how all of that is and offering your employees a lifestyle. That's, it's just really interesting to hear, you know? Yeah. I don't want to, you know, we don't want them to view it as a job necessarily. So many people, you know, especially cooks, they get into this and then they end up like bartending because of money or they mm. end up not doing that when they love the expression of culinary. They yeah. got into this for similar reasons that I got into this, which is like, I want to create this thing. But then, you know, you get buried in the, the, isms of the hospitality restaurant there's right. a lot of them and that's how the restaurant industry was founded and so you it just it burns you out and you start to lose the love hmm. of the game right and it happens so much in our industry um and so i'm not surprised like you mentioned the pandemic you know it showed every single thing that was wrong with the restaurant industry oh. this past year and how vulnerable it is yeah so you're yeah. thinking of the experience, not only of the customer per se, but also the people who are working with you yep. at every sort of level. Yeah. Our impact huh. on people and everything around us on like 
stuff that, I mean, there's no doubt there's a lot of things that we're not thinking about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, this year especially has taught us a lot. So, and, yeah. uh, so that's what we're signed up for sort of out of the walls, so to speak. And that's all, it, you know, restaurants are just, they, they seem to come and go. Right. And, uh, so what, what, kind of impact can you have with your work while you're there? Yeah. Going back to like, let's do this really well. If we do a pop-up, we do a lot of pop-ups, ton of collaborations. We love, you know, um, working, you know, we're, we're constantly bringing people in that were like, Whoa, look at this food. Last week we, you know, um, had an, a chef from India. His name is KK. He's got a restaurant in Santa Barbara, but it was like, nice. I mean, an incredible explosion of, you know, spice all of a sudden at the Wolf's Taylor that yeah. was like, Everyone was like, what is this? You know, um, we just, we love that interaction. And if that's all we do for a couple of years and, and do something else, that's okay. So yeah. it's kind of like thinking big, focusing on small, uh, you know, you don't need 200 seats, uh, Bruto, our other tasting menu, you know, that project was going to die this last year. We turned it into an advocacy kitchen before the election. There was a lot of chefs that were displaced. Oh, wait. What's an advocacy kitchen? Uh, well, I don't know if it's a thing, but I just kind of m- made it a thing. Okay. What is, what is the thing that you made? How would you define it? <laughs> yeah. So with downtown, with everything happening downtown, mm-hmm. you know, we had a project at, you know, a building here in Denver that was like, it's just, it, again, it's a one wood fire oven thing. It is open to a 10,000 square foot space. Okay. And, uh, but the, the sort of mall itself, free market has divisions for the shops Yeah, and everything was just so I couldn't control anything around me. Our space is open to the whole space. So during the pandemic, um, you know, I took some of the glass partition walls from the other spaces and I put it around our space. Mm-hmm. And so instead of having, you know, a hundred seat space, I brought it down to 10. Oh wow. And we started talking about the power of 10 because, hmm. you know, again, I thought maybe no one would, uh, you know, no one would like order food from us. No one was eating downtown. So maybe they would like buy a ticket. And then I saw a lot of displaced chefs with a lot of things to say. So, uh, leading up to the election, you know, I was like wrestling with, I mean, everyone was wrestling with a lot at the time, but I was like, I'm going to give these guys a place to just do whatever they want to say. Yeah. So I met Taj cook. He's, uh, He's from Jamaica and he, he was, he was like the most vocal. He was working for another restaurant group. That restaurant group closed. And, uh, he said, cook. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, uh, you know, I was like, dude, you have a lot to say. You're being like all over, you know, why don't you come in and say it with your food or whatever? And so he's like, I'm going to cook. I food. And I was like, I don't know what that is, man. He's like, (laughs) it's like vegetarian, this and that. Like, and I was like, cool. And then, you know, so I brought him in. And then uh, another chef in uh, Boulder, Modu, cooks West African food. And I was like, I don't know anything about that, but like, yeah. let's go. And then uh, Chef Michael, who's our current chef there right now, uh, grew up in El Paso. And uh, and at this time, you know, Taj, it was kind of getting the word out. So people would call and they'd be like, hey, I want to do a pop-up. And I'm like, well, what do you have to say? You know? Right. And they're like, oh, no, I just like, I've got a pop-up. I want to try to open a restaurant. I was like, this is the wrong time for that. And I would yeah. have to explain, like, this is leading up to something, we have 10 seats, you know, we're, we're in all these restrictions. So what it, I'm just really trying to, you know, allow a sort of a stage for people, cooks to kind of say whatever they want to say. 
I love this, man. Yeah, Seriously. So it's really. Yeah, you know. I, I, listen, I, I love the name, but <laughs> and I feel like the whole uh, the whole idea of it, as you've explained it, is really a snapshot of everything you've been talking about, like how to bring together hospitality with activism um, and create art at the same time. And, and in this place, you're facilitating art, you're lifting up other people's voices. Like, that's really dope. And it also goes into what you're talking about in terms of challenging the paradigm of what the restaurant industry is. So high five on that one. Yeah, <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> right on. it was amazing. And look, a lot of good, you know, that restaurant is absolutely incredible with Michael at the helm now. And he's actually going to be in, you know, the next month, a partner and not a token partnership. He'll have like equal ownership to me. Cool. Like I just, you know, yeah. I, and that's, it's just turned into that. So he literally went, you know, from that to that. And it's just been nothing but good, man. That's what I said. Like, Good on good, man. How can you, yeah. how can that get off course? You know, it gets off course, but it can't. Like, it always wins. It's really dope, man. I, I want to ask, like, when you come up with these ideas, like Advocacy Kitchen, um, how do you choose which ones you go forward with? How do you choose which ones you reject? Yeah, um, I would say starting out, you know, through the season of yes or whatever. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, failures taught me a lot. I've taken a lot of chances. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like, you know, my ability now to kind of see around the corner, so to speak, or navigate, it's not, it's definitely not perfect, but, um, and right now I'm, I'm, I, you know, big part is like letting, you know, our team and everyone working side by side are really, that's important to me. So yeah. even though I want to say, don't do this, I don't like micromanaging the other, mm. right. I like empowering and, you know, that, we have like a, our company is now like 80, 90% women in leadership. Nice. And it was intentional. So yeah. it wasn't like, but it wasn't, you know, it was obviously like, there's a lot of qualification there. Right. And, you know, I went to my partner, uh, we have uh, three partners, but I went and I said, you know, are we a company that's empowering uh, the women or are we a company that's controlling them? You know? Right. And so right now it's for me to take that step back. Um, and let them make the decisions. Cause my decisions were like, yeah, pass, fell, 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 fell. One worked. <laughs> I was right. like, how does everything work out for you? And I was like, dude, you did not see the right. hundred thousand failures yeah. to make this one right decision. And that's really like, that's all I knew. It was just, it wasn't, it was kind of stupidity and <laughs> being led by, you know, um, shiny objects or things that I, you know, I was like, oh, this will be interesting. We should try that and getting myself in, you know, weird situations. But, you but keep it's going. Uh, but failure. I mean, a lot of people talk about, you know, focus on, you know, or fail, fail fast. There's all this stuff. I really like lately, like thinking not to focus on that because that's how I've spent the last three years of like, oh, just fail, fail, fail mm -hmm. fast. And really, I just like more now think about successes. So, you know, answering that question is like, how was I successful in this moment? Hmm. How was How did we create advocacy kitchen out of nowhere with right. no real plan? Right. Well, maybe planning's not good. Huh. Maybe you make a plan like everyone learned this year and it's going to get messed up. You know, <laughs> right. fly and see your family right now. Might happen, might not. Mm -hmm. Don't get your hopes of it away. You know, so it's like some of these things about, you know, trying to map that out or focus on failure. Now I'm kind of thinking more like in creative in the creative process and how to make that specific decision, what's really worked, uh, you know, 
Yeah. Cause I don't think about it. Something works. You're like, cool, move on. And then you kind of get in this thing. You're all wrapped up in a bunch of failures again. And I'm like, why is that? Oh, it's because we're following some fell, fell fast rule or something. I'm like, <laughs> let's follow the other rule. Well, now, okay. So this might be, this might've been baked into your response that you just gave, but I, I was thinking like, all right, 18 year old version of Kelly comes up to you and says, Hey, what's your advice for me? What would you tell the younger version of you? I, you know, I've, I've thought about that question a lot, but I, so much of all those all of that, which I have a ton of regrets, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, what's creating the product today? Right. So my hope is that like, you know, I get as much time that I was really bad at being 18 to whatever. Yeah. That I get like at least that much time on the other side doing some good. You know right what on. I mean? Like in a way. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, getting around people is everything, you know? Yeah. So there are times when I wish I was maybe, or maybe I should have been with a different organization, mm. one that cared about me, one that wanted to lift me up instead of, you know, and our industry shifted a lot, Yeah. but I hung out with a lot of sort of mixed okay. things in this industry. That's like, maybe I shouldn't have hung out that long. Maybe I should have gone and worked for a chef that, you know, but I, but again, I was working for impassionate chefs too, Right. that I didn't really sign up for a kitchen that wasn't an advocate for something, you know, Michael Simarusi, I mentioned Providence, that guy taught me everything about activism. He's one, you know, he's, he's trying to, you know, save the oceans and save the fish. And uh, when I lived in LA, I was like, I'm going to work for that guy. Cause yeah. he's like, not only is he two Michelin and he's a brilliant chef, but I was more, I was always the guy like asking him the questions about like saving the oceans, right. Mm -hmm. Not just how to cook right. the fish, you know? <laughs> so yeah. I want to ask, is there any, anything else that's like that's coming up that you want to talk about or, you know, like I said, I think it's an, I, I appreciate being here for the fact that you're asking me about, you know, being an artist. Yeah. And I think that the artists and people, um, you know, that everyone sort of possesses this and it's a really powerful tool when you don't think of yourself as like the CEO or the chef, but yeah. the artist, like there's nothing. It sounds so flighty sometimes. Right. Yeah. But man, like this world needs this type of art and it comes in all kinds of forms. And, um, this happens to be my form, whatever yes. it is. We just talked about, but, you know, <laughs> we, you know, and, we do a lot of, you know, again, I, we could have talked about grains and how we're doing regenerative farming and all the other things, but you know, our art is definitely has to do with the human capacity right. Right, and potential of people. Yeah. That's really all I think about every day. It's like, it's beautiful. How far can I get? Well, it takes courage to be an artist and to take chances and, you know, um, I feel you a hundred percent. I did a, I did a TED talk over the pandemic uh, to an empty room <laughs> because of the pandemic. Uh, and it's like at a million views now, right? But I talked about the importance of art in dark times. Mm -hmm. Because you were saying like, by calling yourself an artist, it can feel flighty. That's because people have attributed like uh, art to being like flighty, irresponsible, um, selfish even, you know, yeah. that you're gonna pursue this thing. but. One of the things I talked about is how whenever there is a dictator or a despot, they censor and control the art because they're fully aware of the power of art. Yeah. But we as artists are very like, oh, I Straight don't up. know. Am I wasting my time? You know? Straight up. But it's obviously like if those people in power know the power 
the, the, the immensity of what art can do. Yeah. And we as artists should pay attention and use it for something good. So powerful, dude. Right on. That's, I mean, that's what, uh, that's what empowerment is. Right. Yeah. And the, I, that's what I find the less I'm controlling that right now. Like I said, it, it's not just necessarily my decisions, but those around me right now that I'm just like watching our company change dramatically, hmm. you know, um, inviting people into the story is yeah. our most, you know, and not being afraid of that. Hiring better cooks than me for sure. <laughs> right on. Our chefs are amazing huh. and our people are amazing. And it's like that it's letting them go and explore that in their way. And it's a very, it's pushing, it's pushing us forward. All right. Well, so Kelly, if people want to follow your work, yeah. Uh, where do they go? Uh, my Instagram is IE underscore Kelly. Um, follow the hospitality group. Um, yeah. Eat in our restaurants. We're not out of this yet. Support our restaurants, you know, support your local restaurants. It yeah. doesn't even have to be ours, but look for good food, you know, and if you're not sure where that is, you can always check us out Why not? and come in and experience it and eat it and taste it. And hopefully um, you'll feel well taken care of. Cool. Hey, thank you for taking a minute to talk to me. This is really cool. I enjoy talking with you. Thanks, man. Learned a lot about, I learned some, some vocabulary words. I didn't know. Yeah. today's guest, Kelly Whitaker. Visit mcadenver.org forward slash podcast for links to his many amazing restaurants. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe for more and leave a review. It really helps us out. Check out MCA Denver on YouTube and subscribe there too for behind the scenes clips that don't make it in the episode. How Art is Born is hosted by me, R. Allen Brooks. Cheyenne Michaels is our producer and editor. Courtney Law is our executive producer. How Art is Born is a project of the Museum of Contemporary Art Denver, 